tequila that's what you're on these days that's that's where Always. you landed after after a life of of discipline yeah. as sports media has unleashed you you're you're a tequila guy now i mean i didn't drink or smoke or do anything because i thought it made me a better athlete now <laughs> then I'm you met athlete. me <laughs> the worst influence yeah. in your life hey he's he's good at these things and he doesn't mind to take a sip every now and then i'm not uh, drunk now by to be clear because that sounded like something a drunk person would say it, for the podcast audience i'm Dominique just tired only only sounds drunk he looks like neil degrasse tyson right oh. now just a, a, a monument to rationality uh alabaster we have some topics here izzy is on the way in uh like NBA, right? Like that's where we're gonna dive into. So let's let's go do that. Basketball. Ah, my computer's falling apart, but Israel Gutierrez is here to distract you from that while it's happening. Well, right? you can't draw attention to it and like expect him to distract. Like, yeah, what do you so expect him to do? Confident. You can't draw <laughs> attention to it. This is and then not say how this plan's supposed to go. You guys are supposed to like, I don't know, like do some jazz hands or something. No, no, nothing, mm. nothing. All okay. yeah, thank you, very good. Izzy's shirt is the closest thing that came to anything <laughs> resembling motion, and now we get that. Very good, <sighs> Alabaster. I'm not going to apologize for being incompetent, but please help me. Please that's, help me here. That's fine. As the resident person who's called incompetent on the show, sometimes you just got to wear it. Um, let's go to the first question here, which is about Anthony Davis. Dominique, you're about a year too late, but right now the Lakers are looking scary. <laughs> and my question for you is, should AD's resurgence make the Lakers more willing to trade their picks? <sighs> so should we establish like a... Uh, you're How picking on me, so I'm picking on you. That's a <laughs> question because we can dodge it quite easily. Should it make them more willing to trade their picks? Yeah, it should make them more willing to trade their picks. Should they trade their picks? I don't know. Alabaster, you didn't ask that question. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Paulbo. Uh, I was gonna, I was gonna reveal. Um, did you call me Paulbo just then? That that's even more insulting. Reveal your revealance. Right. So Taller here's 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 the, the the secret. Um, guys to like how we've been making fun of the Lakers this whole time about how Russell Westbrook is going to result in this team sinking to the bottom of the ocean. Um, it was really only going to sink that way uh, if Anthony Davis was also just like blah. And dude ain't blah anymore. And I feel like this is the part of the equation that does change everything because now Anthony Davis is averaging career highs and yes, points, rebounds, field goal percentage, true shooting percentage, PER, win shares for 48 minutes. This is one of the 75, I mean, this is a controversial title he got, specifically because he's been blah, but this is one of the top 75 players of all time, allegedly, Israel. And he's having the best Hi, season guys. of his life. He's having the he best so season far. of his life. He's having the best 20 games of his life, which by the way, is half the amount of games he played last year, which I think you know where I'm going with this. Hard to assess Anthony Davis over the long term because you don't know if he's going to be out there. Okay, I just want to say that right off the top. Like, there was this crazy, um, it was a Mary F. Kill, but it was a sports version of it. Uh, start, cut, bench. Start, bench, cut, oh. or whatever. And I saw one with Anthony Davis, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Joel Embiid. And I said, it's the easiest ever. Yeah. You Giannis, you, yeah. Bench, you bench Embiid. No. Wow. wow. <laughs> Pablo just told on himself. All right. <laughs> Sorry, I thought we were all playing the game. <laughs> no, it's start, bench, cut. Like, I mean, and no one cut, asked you. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> Goodness gracious, Pablo. Jeez. We'll get back to that later. We'll get back honest, to there. Uh, honestly, it's a different process altogether. Um, and and it's obvious you cut Anthony Davis, and it has nothing to do with his ability or what he's doing on the floor. It's just a matter of whether he's going to you know be on the court. Okay, so not predicting injury, going to assume you know he's due. Okay, and he sticks around. He's been fantastic, and it's an easy, easy reason as to why. Like, he's just getting shots closer to the rim. Yeah. Um, from last year compared to this year. Last year, shots within 10 feet. Less than 10 feet, uh, 56.8 of his shots came from 10, uh, inside of 10 feet. This year, it's 71% so far. That's a huge difference. And, like, in the restricted area, you know, almost half of his shots versus last year, it was, like, 43.7. That's another big difference. And to me, that doesn't come as a surprise because we think oh anthony davis couldn't do this it's because oh we're allowing him to do this lebron james is allowing him to do this mm. um russell westbrook in you know whatever capacity he's at is allowing him to do this and i think really think it just comes down to lebron because it's not like all of a sudden they opened up the roster with a bunch of shooters they tried to play their shooters in there but it's still the same lineup so it's not like the, the floor is opening up it's just hey if we actively try to get this guy the ball in his comfort zone 10 feet and in it's amazing how that's how that works out best for him. Well, and then, I, I actually didn't think he was capable of this, but it's, it shows he is. And so just do it for longer. They don't have any lasers, as LeBron told us. No pew pews from Pion. way downtown. So they do have to play differently. And I think I'll I'll steal a an insight from my own podcast where a very smart person, unlike the producer we have here, a very <laughs> smart person named Charles oh. Kravitz pointed out that the most impressive (laughs) part of Anthony Davis's game right now is him being the roller. And it's given Mm -hmm. like some like purpose, I feel like to uh, Westbrook, whereas he's not always the ball handler on the pick and roll situation, but he has been a number of times. And sometimes the result is not only an easy bucket for Anthony Davis, but it is a gyration and dance, which I saw from Russell Westbrook in the Washington game, which is, I know sounds like a small thing, but I thought that Russell hated everyone in that building and could never be happy again. And for whatever it's worth, as small as basketball rosters are, vibes matter. And it does help that Anthony Davis is playing great basketball, but finding a spot where Russell feels like he has some value and has some buy-in and is at a point where he can shimmy his hips on the court in a sensual manner, like feels like a big step to me. That's my step. That's my stat. I think I've seen two Russell Westbrook hip <laughs> shimmies in the past 10 <laughs> games, which is uh, two more than he's had since he moved back to LA. Yeah. We've seen his hips begin to lie, which tells us a deeper truth about what exactly is happening. Truly, I mean, look, the reality, Dominique, the upshot of these little things, and I'm with you in terms of vibes mattering in a way that is unique to pro sports because of the locker room size. The bottom line is that they're eight and two in their last 10 games. I mean, this is this is where we are. And so if there is any question, and it doesn't sound like we're really, we're really debating the question, it seems obvious that they should go all in because guess what? I mean, granted they're 10 and 12. They've already forgotten the question, sorry. <laughs> Fair. Fair, but I've almost forgotten that the Lakers were like a non-consideration. Now they're like on the outside of the playoff picture and they are right there. And it's, it's, I just feel it's, I just, I just find it funny, Alabaster. Like we do, it's an incredible cycle where we say the takes, we laugh at ourselves saying the takes, and then we say the takes again. And we're somehow not supposed to laugh at ourselves for saying them, even though they're more or less the same. (laughs) I don't want to play this team 
in April, May, in June, kind of a thing that we've said since, I don't know. But to be fair, this is why it was always there. It was because we could always say, hey, if Anthony Davis plays the way he played, like go back to that the last time they, you know, before he was a Laker when he won a playoff series, uh, swept Portland, and I think they lost to the, to the Warriors in five after that. Um, 30 points, 13 rebounds, 2.3 blocks, 52% shooting. Like that is ridiculous playoff numbers. And those are the numbers that uh, I believe I asked a gentleman named CJ McCollum on the CJ McCollum podcast, um, whether he was capable, meaning Anthony Davis, of doing that again. And he didn't give me an answer, which means he didn't think it was possible, right? (laughs) Because he didn't want to say it out loud. And so I don't think anybody thought that this was actually possible. Laker fans were out on this. This is this changes everything. It really like the idea. Dominique is raising his finger, and apparently, remember you made fun of me saying they were scary, they're terrifying. Yeah, Yeah, it's because I thought it was possible. So take that. Can he stay healthy? I don't know. Yes, I did think that Anthony Davis could be aggressive and get ten offensive rebounds in one game and average. (laughs) over three blocks in a game yes i did think that he had the athleticism to do that in the physical like the unique skill set that is in the league i don't know too many people that are close to Giannis and he's in in physical ability and size and he's one of them and speaking of Giannis, i would be willing to dismiss this run if it did not include the milwaukee bucks or anthony davis who's been like uh you know he talked about i think the beginning of the season he said everybody knows ad don't want to be a five well, AD is the damn five, <laughs> and it and it's working. He's playing the center position more than anything else, and that's like it's where you get the advantage of his unique athleticism because he ends up going up against Brooke Lopez. And if you think Brooke Lopez isn't going to stop him, you put him against Giannis. He puts buckets on him too, and Portis. It doesn't matter. He is a problem. We've always known it. He just can't stay healthy, or it's not in a system that will feature him in that way. But it's also, Izzy, Izzy, it's also mm-hmm. deeper than that, though. I think one of the questions no, about, about, yes, it has been, because the fact that Anthony Davis I is leading the league <laughs> in rebounds, okay? Uh, it's Point your telescope at that part of the <laughs> basketball reference page, okay? He has never uh-huh. rebounded the ball this well. And there is, I'm not, I, I just know that rebounding is, is both skill and talent and the ability to read bounces and to box out and there is and there's dexterity there it's also clearly effort and when you talk about him leaning into being the five i mean that itself is proof that something has switched in him a positional switch a mentality switch that is paying off in ways that i think he had to see to really actually buy into fully well i think the idea was hey look how much closer your shots are going to be because there's not some big guy standing between you and the basket that happens to be your teammate. And, you know, look around the league. Yeah, there's some teams that are going to give you issues with size. They're going to, you know, throw you around a little bit if you allow them. But for the most part, most of the league, eh, not really that big. Um, and so I, I look at them and I think of like the, this is odd, I think of the 2017 Cavs, the 2018 Cavs. Uh, remember where they had like Derrick Rose, Dwayne Wade was on that team famously. And oh, the Expendables um, Cavs, yeah. Right. They started off like, I want to say three and six or something terrible like that. And it was LeBron just having the game of his life on a road game against the Wizards. And then it was, you know, they they sort of righted the ship from there eventually, you know, traded away whatever pieces they needed to. And this year, and I think this Lakers run by him, you always expected that to come from LeBron. And I think it started last year where everybody sort of looked and said, no, it's got to come from AD. And that's exactly what he's doing. That two and 10 start, whatever it was, um, 
And it's him saying, all right, if we're going to get out of it, it's going to be because of me. LeBron's going to have his moments. Russ might even have, you know, a couple triple doubles in there, but it's on me. And I think that part is even more surprising. Not that even, not just that he was capable of this, but the fact that he took it on himself and said, all right, let's go. Because he could have just sat on that one championship for the rest of time and said, hey, I got mine. I just don't understand, I guess, how this can be that surprising because I remember when the trade was made as we all said, oh, this is the guy that LeBron is going to use to ride him out the rest of the career, and then LeBron's going to show up in the playoffs and take over the playoffs. But regular season, like, that's why you get Anthony Davis, so you can start to hand the baton over to someone else. I, like, it took longer than we expected, but it can't mm-hmm. be shocking to any of us. We all, like, thought that was the plan. Well, he won a tight. I mean, this is the thing of like the bubble too, right? Like in retrospect, we're going to look, I mean, not just fickle and indecisive when it came to how we felt about Anthony Davis, but we'll, we'll, we'll look like people who really did not value that title they won in the bubble. Truly. Like if that's, if this is the way the conversation has gone, it's specifically because of that. Like every, everything we've talked about with the Lakers and I am guilty of this as much as anybody, has been premised on the idea that winning a title wasn't enough. No. Because I mean, they got it. But it, it wasn't, they it wasn't it. going to matter who won it in that bubble. They were going to have that same narrative because everybody played amazingly. And that whole, you know, I've asked a ton of people. Everybody has over the last couple of years. And they all say it's absolutely true. It wasn't just the sight lines and everything else. It was a lack of travel. It was, you know, the AAU mentality. It was just all lack that lack fans. of distraction. Some great people playing some of their best basketball. Ask Jamal Murray. But um, so I don't think it could be knocked. But I think in the end, yeah, he does. He's in the the Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, family of, hey, he only has one. He should have more than that. Um, but right. Right. Uh, wow, I do think does. that that. Yeah. But I do think it was like it had fallen off and the expectations had fallen off. And I think people would be fine if he only had the one. I feel like this is Pablo's lane, but I've, it's it's there and you didn't jump on it. But if he's going to be an Aaron Rodgers family, he may mis- be disowned any minute now. <laughs> You're welcome, Pablo. You know you were thinking it. Well, well played. By the well way, Jordan-esque, you might say. Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't um, just let me have it. <laughs> so I do want to do one quick follow-up and bring us bring us slightly back to the, the question at hand, which is the precious assets along with Anthony Davis that the Lakers possess are these two picks and a pick swap in 2027, 2029. And vultures are circling around the league because they know LeBron is old and he saps resources of teams. And Anthony Davis, while great, is brittle. And Amir, three weeks ago, we thought he could be at a different point of his career. So my question is, if they could hypothetically make a trade, where they, I don't, they're not going to get a superstar, get out of jail free trade. That's not going to happen. But if they could get players the caliber of Kuzma and KCP and Caruso for these picks, guys like that, chasers, defenders, three-point shooters, what's the ceiling <laughs> of a team like that? Could they get out of Caruso? Give me those back? years again. What years are those draft picks again? 2027 and 2029, yeah. and a pick swap in 2028 if they also want to trade that. Mm, congratulations. Um, this, so what, what Anthony Davis is giving the Lakers is not old Anthony Davis. It's like some like new designer drug that they've never heard of before. <laughs> and it's just it's reinvigorating all the championship hopes. Like this is... This is AD that they thought they were really going to have from day one. And so totally. I think, you know, 2027, get out of here with that. Like there will be uh, a, a third LeBron James family member in the uh, in the NBA by then. Like that, that I think it's it's an afterthought. If you give them a little taste 
of, you know, elite basketball, they're going to say, yeah, sell it all for the right now. So I don't think that really is a question. I think those draft picks, if they get something from it, they're gone. Anthony Davis is the kind of drug that makes you hallucinate Izzy's shirt onto just normal white shirts. <laughs> yep, trade them away, win a championship. Got to bring the outdoors. In. I used to do the show you behind a green to. in front of a green screen with the outdoors, and now it's like I'm in my house again. So I got to do the you know the leaves and the flamingo thing. Man, I would if they could get Alex Caruso back. In all honesty, like that to me is still an original sin. Uh, they LeBron James shadow GMing. Alex Caruso, through sheer just like non-interest, is one of the all-time misses after you played with him <laughs> for, for, for dozens and dozens and dozens of games. And now he's one of the best defenders in the league in exactly what you need. But I mean, I think you're aiming low because the Bulls are not very good right now. And I saw DeMar DeRozan uh, trade suggestion. So the, the Lakers just could get absolutely lucky with some You're of You're just these picking teams. all the players and that they could have had that they <laughs> that they didn't want. Like just to make yeah, uh, Polinka right. look could, even they sillier. They could come back in line, yes, and yeah. say, hey, I'm giving you another chance. And it oh, might happen. You second know? chance at love. All right, let's move on to... Someone going in the opposite direction of Anthony Davis, and that's Trey Young, who has had a tiff with his coach, Nate McMillan. My question to you all, are the Hawks empowering Trey Young too much? Hmm. Well, the story here, Izzy, let me know if you know anything deeper than this, Dominique, the same, but like the story here is that Trey Young has been injured. He has a shoulder injury, and there is a dispute over whether he needed to be doing rehab on it or at practice with the team. And the conditions for playing in the game that was coming up, and yes, this was a shoot-around on Friday, the conditions were basically like, you need to be with the team or you're not going to play. And essentially what happened was Trey Young chose not to attend the game in the end because he did not do what Nate McMillan was asking him to do. And there also might have been a miscommunication as to what Nate meant uh, to Trey in terms of like not showing up versus not playing, that type of thing. Um, Dominique, I'm just curious to you in terms of like uh, the question being, are they letting him get away with too much or empowering him too much? The idea that you are in charge of your own treatment times on a game day, right. is that a huge deal or isn't it? Because it doesn't, it sounds to me like that's something that most players of his caliber are granted. Exactly. Like I'm not in the basketball world, but they, basketball players and stars get a lot more latitude than other people. But it, mm -hmm. the punishments like this to me suggests that he wasn't showing up for anything. Like, they was like, come to, come to work, please. And he's like, no. But it's like <laughs> to have a disagreement over whether you're going to get treatment or participate in a shoot around to me seems like maybe a surface level issue that speaks to something that's, that's much deeper that mm -hmm. maybe uh, other people know about that it hasn't come out quite yet. But it just seems like a weird stance to take. And I thought that Nate McMillan said he wasn't going to start. He was going to have to come off the bench, right? And then he just didn't show up. Right. Is that the, am I right about that? Or am I misremembering what I read? A Al days ago? Yes. He said either you're going to come off the bench or you're not going to show up basically is what he right. said. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. It feels like much ado about nothing. If this is all we have on it, it seems like a minor tiff. But that that's, we'll that's ahead. why it's something. Yeah. That's why it's something is because like the, 
the the word on Trey Young is, hey, maybe not franchise guy. Certainly questions about leadership from that position. Um, and whether you just like decide that leadership is um, shot selection or if it's more than that, it's obviously more than just shot selection. And I think there's some rumors about or some you know grumblings about him sort of lacking in that department. And so what you do here is, okay, you don't really say, you look at the track record of, of Nate McMillan, first of all, and how often has that happened to him? Not really. Uh, he seems to be a very well-liked coach. Uh, old school, but well-liked. And, you know, with Trey, there, there are question marks. You look at last season against the, the Heat in the playoffs and just didn't show up. Like, almost looked like they took the life out of him uh, toward that series, toward the end of that series. And now, you know, with a new teammate in DeJounte Murray, um, he's having terrible shooting games, shooting slumps uh, for a lot of stretches. And so I think what you do now is you start to look at who has Trey's back. Who publicly in that Hawks locker room says, hey, no, he's our guy, this and this and that. If you don't hear a lot of that, then I think it's probably more telling of, yeah, I think, you know, I don't necessarily ride with him. I think I'm good with Nate. I think I like, I think he's got more of a track record of winning, you know, than Trey does. So I think there's a lot of question marks there. And I think to his credit, he he did a great job with that interviewer because he did not let go of the rope. He said, I'm going to keep it private, even though telling his side could have, you know, given a little bit more of a, a perception, uh, uh, you know, that he was in the right. But overall, I think it's a, it's a bad look for him because of the narrative that's sort of been built around him. But I think you, um, well, actually, Alabaster, go ahead. Well, I just wanted to uh, point out that it's it's been reported that players were siding with Nate McMillan over Trey Young in this, and this is not the first time something like this has happened. John Collins got into it with Trey Young in, in front right. of people in the locker room several, several years ago and Clint Capella had to adjudicate that issue, um, having been witness to the sort of James Harden, Dwight Howard beef. Um, so there actually could be questions about how Trey Young sort of comports himself as a superstar. Yeah, so I think the, I don't remember the initial qu question, but it suggested that they were giving too much power to, yeah, are the Hawks in power and Trey Young too, too much? So if you make a guy the face of your franchise, you are empowering him. Like you have given him the power. So like there was not a decision to be made about how much power they're going to give him. Once he was good enough to be like their guy, then he has the power. What he does with it is something else. And that's also on you as management to like manage that relationship. However, what like Nick McMillan's experienced coach, he's played, he's been around, like he knows what he's doing. I don't suspect that he does what he did to uh, Trey Young unless he knew that Trey Young was on the outs yeah. with the rest of the team. Because by doing that to him, you undercut whatever power he has. Or you undercut whatever leadership he does have. You can't then ask him to be a team leader if you're treating him like just one of the other guys. So Nate McMillan yes. knows where he stands. And this team, this is like uh, to – like Izzy make a football analogy. This is very reminiscent of Zach Wilson in that the guys wanted to see this. Like Nate McMillan must know that the guys wanted to see this. And this is something that's rumbling in the locker room. Um, and it's not about the treatment. It's not about the time. It's not about him showing up. It's not about the shoot around. It's about whatever Trey Young is doing. It's rubbing everybody the wrong way. And talking to him, my guess is Nate McMillan's tried talking to him. And I guess his other players have tried talking to him. And none of it is having the desired effect. Yeah, to me, the question could have been flipped. It could have been, are the Hawks empowering Trey Young? Like, in completely, are they, are they, are they being 
too generous to him. To me, like, it seems like their tack right now is to acknowledge what Dominique is saying. I mean, it's worth noting, Lloyd Pierce was the head coach of the Hawks before Nate McMillan. Lloyd Pierce was fired in part because Trey Young did not get along with him. And I'm not saying that all these coaches are always right and all these players are always wrong. That's not what I'm saying here. What I'm saying, though, is that when you try to do the thing, and this is what the Hawks GM, Travis Schlenk, did coming over from Golden State, is recreate the Warriors however you can, right? How do we build this sort of system where the guy at the center is our Steph Curry? You know what's underrated about Steph Curry? It's not the threes off the dribble. It's not the 50-foot jumpers. It's not the fact that he can make someone like Dominique fall off the screen as I'm comparing him to Trey Young. It's the fact that he is the best teammate that maybe has ever walked an NBA locker room carpet just in terms of the guy who was never the source of drama. And maybe right. that's way too high a bar because I just said he is the best that it has ever been. But when you have a guy who has some of the talent but the ego management as a leader is just not there. And we're seeing it's also, it come out in rumors. It, it feels like, yeah, there is there is something there. It's also difficult when you look at this roster and the way it's been built. He has to be the leader, right? DeJounte Murray can't come in in year one and take over, right? John Collins, a great personality, great talker, would gladly be the guy, but doesn't really have the pull because of, you know he's just not the performer, right? He's not your leader. Um, Bogdanovich, you know, DeAndre Hunter, Clint Capella, these are all relatively quiet guys, have been their whole career. So you're leaving it. You've made that decision already with Trey Young, at least for this year. And if it didn't start out the way you like it and everybody is clamoring about, you know, maybe he's a problem, then yeah, this was going to come out one way or another. And, you know, conspiracy theory all you want. Maybe Nate did create this argument because, again, it sounds like something pretty benign. It sounds like, you know, treatment during a shoot-around, after a shoot-around, is he going to play? He's obviously the most important guy on your team, so he should be, if he wants to play, he should be able to play. So all that tells me, yeah, you guys are right. There's already a built-in problem there, and it's not just shot selection, it's attitude adjustment. But I want to I ask Dominique, the lights have come on literally and figuratively in Dominique's yeah, screen there. Whole new place. The idea that it matters this much for a guy to be around and with the team, like that he is not actually separate and apart. There is this conversation all the time about like who gets that treatment. Certainly LeBron has gotten it and people are resigned to it, or at the very least they understand it. Um, it feels like the threshold to get away with it is just probably a lot higher than the guys who want to be at that threshold may want to admit. It's like the, I mean, the... I feel like there's a bar and it's, it kind of reminds me of um, max contracts is some guys are getting ripped off by getting a max contract. They deserve so much more. Yeah. But most guys are <laughs> getting bumped up by their max contract. If you like look relative, it's like, Oh yeah, you make the same as, I don't know, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Or I believe Kelly Oubre once signed a max deal. Exactly. So that's my point is like in this situation, the number one player on your team, the guy who gets the max contract, with that comes a level of like autonomy that they may not deserve or they may not uh, use properly or you haven't like – convince them to buy in enough yes, to it's properly use it's persuasion it's persuasion yeah, it's, I, I think, think the assumption that they're going to know what to do and that they are going to make all the right decisions and if they don't then say well steph didn't act like this like that to me 
feels unfair. Steph came into the league under different circumstances, and that team grew under different circumstances. Steph's experience is entirely different. And Atlanta, the place where it mattered, they thought he was going to be the second coming and have subsequently treated him like that and now are upset because he's acted like it. Like to me, so let's do that, Dominique. Let's put an end, just like we did when Harold Miner was baby Jordan and came into the league and everybody said, why are we comparing people to Jordan? Exactly. Let's stop doing everybody yes. the disservice Please. of comparing anybody Please. who can shoot and does to Steph Curry because that's the worst possible thing that could have happened to Trey Young because he doesn't play anything like Steph Curry. Mm, and that's, this so, team is much more hardened. Harden, no, it's much more like uh, Harden in Houston than sure. it than mm. it's uh, Steph in Golden State, which also he's not as good as Harden was in Houston. It's if you gave Mahmoud Abdul Rauf free reign of a team Ooh. in 2022, this is what it would look That'd like. That'd be a lot of fun. The national yeah, anthem would be, be entertaining. <laughs> so, Dominique, you raised a really interesting point there with Steph Curry that I want to expand on a tiny bit here. Is that you're right. The Warriors did not hand Steph Curry the franchise. He took it. They drafted him with a high pick, and they were like, share a backcourt with Monte Ellis. Have him take all your shots. And he had every right to be sort of pissed about that, and he ended up just sort of taking it and becoming that franchise guy. But I think that's actually interesting because shouldn't most teams do that, even with high picks? Like, shouldn't most teams basically be like, take it, become the franchise player. We aren't just going to hand you the keys to this engine this earlier in your, in your career because we see that have yes. uh, deleterious effects over and over again. I don't know what that means, but I do know that there was a question when Steph got back into the, what got into the league. It was like, Hey, we don't know if he can be this guy. Yeah. Uh, we'll take him at this pick. It'll be a bit of a gamble. Um, with Giannis Young, like that too. Yeah. Thanks to Steph Curry. Yeah. When you get Trey Young, you say, Oh, okay, this is possible. We already know there's a blueprint over there. And so, and I, I mean, to put to just throw more flowers, Steph's way. What the coaching change from from uh, Jackson to Steph Curry? That was a style change in the way he played. Uh, did I say Steve Curry? Steve Kerr. Uh, yeah, that was a change of style, st change of style in the way he played. And so I think he should get credit for all of that. But he basically was molded into the best version of a player that he can be. And I think the question with Trey is, what does that look like for you? Because, I mean, you have the ball all the time now, so what's it going to be for you to get better? Is it just that you need a bunch of great teammates where the, the, the floor is wide open and you have, you know, all this room to operate? Because it seems like you're getting, you know, the proper usage in every opportunity that you but, want. But, but that's kind of why this season feels kind of make or break. And I say that because DeJounte Murray's his teammate now. Like, they got the guy. They got the guy who's supposed to be in the backcourt with him, who can play defense, doesn't need the ball all the time, is the on-paper perfect fit. And when DeJounte Murray is asked about this, he's talking about, like, you know, it, it's, 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 it's sort of indictment by omission, where he's sort of, like, afraid to deal with the head-on. And he's like, yeah, if I need to be the leader, I will be the leader. He's saying stuff like that, which means that, yeah, there probably is an absence of, of somebody who, at the very least sees the job of of persuading his locker room as you know at odds with his own interests we've talked and about again, dominique i understand just injury matters here i don't want to just write that off entirely it's not just ego it's also right. a guy and his own interests but that that feels like a recipe for where this stuff can go wrong all right so 
What we don't appreciate, I think, is that the world has changed as far as basketball is concerned. And Steph's appearance in the Warriors growth in the style of basketball has changed. And they were so successful because they were the first doing it. You can't copy it now. And not only can you not copy the style and outdo it, you also can't like copy the leadership style or the interpersonal development because that goes like underappreciated the same way like you can't the the Hawks can't look at Milwaukee and say, this is what they did with Giannis on the floor. So let's do it with uh, Trey Young on the floor for obvious reasons, because Giannis and Trey Young have different abilities. The same consideration should be put into like how you develop a leader on your roster, how you develop a teammate, how you help a young man develop into the person he wants to be is the idea that you just drop a guy in and give him all the power and move out of the way. And then when it doesn't work, say, well, Eh, Steph sure didn't act like this. Something must be wrong with you. That's like saying you should be taller. Like he can't be any taller. He is who he is. Well, figure out the right players. No, to he go could probably use him. a few inches though. Seriously. Yeah, yeah, that would help. But figure out the right players to go around him and figure out the way to get him to buy into the organization. It's just but as important is, as your game plan. So I get, I get the thrust of that. It does feel like this is the philosophy though of an exhausted parent. Who's like, yeah, that's I, what I am. can't change this person. Yeah. So what I need to do is acknowledge that his limitations are just that. They are set limits beyond which. So no, 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 no. At they're not even limitations. They're just different <laughs> strengths. Let me as the exhausted parent point out that no, the things about Trey Young that are annoying to you, and this tends to be the case in all relationships. The thing that you love the most about the person also tends to be the thing that gets on your nerves and like whatever it is about Trey Young and we're all projecting, but like I see how he behaves on the court. I could imagine Trey Young could be annoying as hell, but that's also the reason why he's bowing at Madison Square Garden like yes. that figuring out how to make that work for you is not easy. Just like figuring out how to best optimize your players on the floor is not easy either. Just dropping a player onto a team and thinking they're supposed to figure it out. Seems like you want to get fired. But Speaking of Madison the- Square Garden, Pablo, how soon or how much would the Knicks be willing to give away oh, for Trey Young? Because let's just get ahead man. of it real quick. Oh, I mean, this is where we're heading. Is Atlanta Julius is a sports Randall? town. You want Julius Randle? That'd do it. Julius, Ra- that's I mean, not going to do it. There is no RJ Barrett. You want that? I mean, that's an automatic. Just, it's got to be well, included. What we've just arrived at, though, Dominique, um, and I look the realpolitik of what you've described. I, I, I completely understand it. It's an argument to replace Nate McMillan with like a Montessori teacher, because this is not what he's about to do. <laughs> well, we're not sure, that. honestly. Like my point is, I, it's I don't not know if it's that bad yet. I just think no, that no, this no. Is, I'm saying that that this is well. not an indictment on Nate McMillan. He just got there, like relatively. Like this may be the start of his process. This is how he's going to get his attention. Like I'm not saying they haven't figured it out, but it does seem like this happens more often than not. And us in the media just accept the idea that the player is broken. He's a <laughs> he's selfish, and he can't be fixed. When like. Actually, the organization, though we think about organizations as like these like things with no emotions are made up of people, too, who also could have made mistakes to end them in this to land them in this situation. Y'all all getting fired and Trey Young still going to get his money. So y'all better figure out how to make him work or how to make this work within your your building or you're going to be fired. Complain like, hey, Trey was mean to me. Okay, you unemployed. 
have they thought about a, a homework bringing class? back danny ferry oh never mind <laughs> no nah, nah, i don't think that i don't think that <laughs> yeah the homework, homework clause you see how that worked out for the cardinals <laughs> all right yep check earns that's that a fascinating comp kyler murray good. and uh trey young i mean mm. i mean i mean it's like nope. it's the same as the steph curry thing it's like they're both light skin and short for their position so we're like hey that guy that guy wait same same I was just Kyler saying, Murray getting Napoleonic. compared to Z Lamar Jackson? No, 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 no. Kyler Murray doesn't get compared to anybody, really. Yeah. Uh, if, if anybody, it's Russell. Yeah, he gets the Russell comparison. Hmm. Um, all right, last one, guys. We got a clip for you here. What are the chances Giannis is going to have a good birthday? His birthday is today, so this will be airing after his birthday. I don't know if my uh, lady has anything planned for me. I hope they have something planned for me, maybe like a birthday cake. <laughs> Maybe like a birthday card or maybe like a birthday watch or maybe a jewelry. I would love that. I don't know if my family is watching right now, they should go get get them. Um, I will not want to go to dinner because I have a game the next day. I want to be able to rest and uh, get my treatment that I usually do and take my nap and play with my kids. Other than once I put my kids uh, to bed, you never know what can happen, you know? <laughs> <laughs> might get a little bit freaky. <laughs> it's my birthday. Yeah. I got a few things here. Number one, I didn't have him as a jewelry guy. He's asking for jewelry for his birthday, but he's not wearing any. And I don't ever remember seeing him with a bunch of jewelry. So a little bit of a secret fetish there from Giannis. Mm, uh, who knows what he does for. behind closed doors. Yeah. It's funny, though. Uh, no dinner. Straight to the action. Like He don't want to eat, but I do want to get greeky. Uh, <laughs> and also, um, out of context, Homer Simpson is very funny. Always funny. Yes. And so unless you unless he was specific, he didn't say. Did he say his wife? Because you never know if his other half could have been, you know, that that doll. I mean, it seemed pretty life size, at least compared to Giannis. It's life size. So you're saying he is, in fact, doing the like the Japanese pillow fetishist thing. That's what you got from that clip. Is that this is Giannis declaring that he's into some truly some some real James Franco from Thirty Rock. uh, If you've ever seen that episode, but yeah, that that part would 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 definitely uh, raise my eyebrows comedic genius like i feel like i can't add anything to this can we play all the other times john has said sexual things (laughs) like it was on his uh instagram live and all that like it i would say that this was the worst of them and this was fantastic because normally i feel like he gives you just the perfect amount of like you know what i'm talking about but this time he gave us a eyebrow you know what i'm talking about and then said a freaky which like it's too much overkill. <laughs> you either give us the this eyebrows or you give us the get freaky. You know I, I don't was? want both because then I feel gross. Like we crossed the line now. This was now as kids feel. This was an accent heat check in the way that like anyone with a British accent feels ten times smarter to me. This is an accent that makes you like maybe 10 times less perverted than you actually are in any given transcript or deposition setting. (laughs) And this was him actually getting to like, Oh wait, no, this is, this is kind of a little too on the nose and on. Yeah. On a bunch so of his things. birthday, it just entails. So it's so some practice, right? Cause they're practicing, uh, no dinner, just treatment, put the kids to bed, get Greeky. Happy birthday to me. That's it. Like, and he's over by we're talking like 7 30, right? Because if he's I mean, not doing he's doing away with dinner, what is wrong with any of that? That yeah. sounds 
great. Sounds Seth. like someone without children is, <laughs> is over here popping. <laughs> like, I mean, that's a mar magnificent night if you got kids, man. This is True. exhausted parent nirvana, man. Yeah. That's exactly what you I could be in bed by eight. Ooh, whoa. <laughs> Nothing sexier than Lotus. Oh, my no? gosh. Right after? Nothing bad. I ever watch White Lotus. That's a great. Uh, by the way, um, you guys don't know how old Giannis is. Mm, 29. He's got, please tell me he's 30 something by now. No. Um, Alabaster, can you back me up on this? I believe he's 27. Ah, is he 27? Because if he is, he's 28. He's enter oh, he's 28. Oh. Okay. So he is only one year into his prime, athletically speaking. <laughs> do you think also Giannis is ever going to, do you think Giannis is ever going to seem old? That's the other thing is accent and his general. Well, his jokes, definitely. Yeah. His jokes are old. It's yeah, like, I don't know. You just want to see him like how Bill Russell used to be. You think to be honest, <laughs> it's never going to get there. He's just going to be like a gray haired bro. guy. Just going freaky. Freaky. Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Also, like that, that actually on your birthday. I've like... never gotten that joke. That joke that like married men make is like, it's my birthday. Like, don't you do stuff on other days? Right? I don't know. Is it better on the birthday? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Do you get tricks that you don't normally get? I don't. Oh, sometimes this is a great interjection. Need, sometimes we just need a reason. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, Whatever. To your reason. point, Pablo, he does not actually ever have to get old. He can just turn into a wax figurine of himself, like Cristiano Ronaldo and Tom Brady. That's always an option. Mm, Please man. don't, man. Dominique, I'm very. I'm, like I was just thinking about this the other day. How thankful I am every time I get an opportunity to do a show with you. Because I've been reading randomly a lot about how these uh, perfumed candles will kill you. And I know you're big on the candles. And I'm like, man, is he killing himself and his family with those giant five-way candles? Are, is that plant-based? Tell me it's plant-based, Pablo, because if it's no, not. This is, this is, this is, this is also definitely synthetic, you, huh? pure drug candle mm. also. Yeah. All right. Well, Toxic you're candles. welcome. It, it may not last for long. Not here for a long time. But a scentful one. A fragrant time. Yes. <laughs> Goodbye, maybe, for the last time. <laughs> this is how this show ends. Three weeks. We got killed by our candles.